If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. But I got to join the show. It sounded a lot of fun. Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report, Shane Metlin of the Daily News Record, and Jeremy Harper of Howraiser coming for a good realignment. And guys, how fitting is it that Oppenheimer is one of the top movies in the U.S. as we talk about realignment, where it really looks like, <laughs> it, it, in his own words, the bigger the star, the bigger it falls. Wow. There's no more Pac-10, there's no more Pac-12, Pac-14. It is, as somebody has already created on the internet, the Pac-4. Who's and that's left? where we are. Who's left? <laughs> Do you remember? Do you have that in front of you? If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Wazoo. Oh. Oregon State. <laughs> yeah. Stanford and Cal. Of the four of those, what is the most valuable property? Stanford. Yeah, I, would yeah, I think Stanford. I'm a little surprised that Stanford was left all out of this. Although Stanford is kind of like, you know, their their identity is the Pac-12. I'm sure they were the ones saying, guys, guys, where are you I going? Think, I think they were kind of the ones who were like, this can't happen to me. And then oh. it did <laughs> to, to a certain degree. I think, I think they resisted a lot of the options that were out there as far as like, even go back in a year or more to like making a deal with the Big 12 or different things. I think they like resisted that thinking the Pac-12 was where they wanted to be both athletically and academically, probably. And, uh, and I think it really backfired on them. I saw something go through social media where it, it started off, you know, like they, they made a good point. They said there should be a merger between the, the Pac-10 or the Pac-4 as it is now and the Mountain West. And I was like, yeah, yeah, there should be a merger. And then it went on to say, but would everybody from the Mountain West make the cut? And that just kind of made me laugh. I was like, who's the pack for to dictate who gets to stay in the Mountain West? What power do they have coming into that negotiation? I feel like it's going to be sort of like people will just want to buy the Pac-12 name like or the Pac whatever name it ends up being. Like that might have some value. They're still, you know, I think if they can save their thing, can you take their like uh, autonomy status away from them? And we'll, we'll get into this, but like I keep saying, hearing everybody say like, well, they're not going to be a power five conference anymore. Well, they're going to be a power five conference for 2023. They've got, it's the same league. And after 2023, nobody's a power five conference really i mean that that designation like doesn't matter at all when it comes to like on field product in the playoff after 2024 so the whole debate about whether they remain a power five conference to me like is is a kind of a pointless thing it that whole scenario of power five versus group of five is not going to exist by the time all these teams are gone yeah, you know what? That didn't even like occur to me about the autonomy thing. Yeah, who who gets to get that branding now? If you only have a Pac-12 with four 
people in it. How does that work now? I think that's why you might see the Mountain West. I've I've even seen where like they're saying like the Mountain West commissioner will take over, but they'll keep the Pac-10 or however many teams they have named because that name like has some value and um, that autonomy status has some value. But um, yeah, I agree with that. But here's the important question, and and I'm going to throw it to Tibbs for this one. Of those four, which one belongs in the Sun Belt? None. They're way out of our league. And I mean that literally, if, once again, it goes back to it, Jeremy, from the get. If we're going to add Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, or Wazoo, why not Idaho again? <laughs> All right. Oh, I mean, oh. <laughs> that, that's well, I mean, I, Idaho, Idaho and Wazoo, at least you get the travel partners since they're, you know, what, uh, 15 miles apart or yes, something like that. Well, another thing that went through the Twitter sphere as all this was going down was there was a lot of people commenting about how good a job the G5, especially the Sunbelt, was doing in maintaining that manageable footprint and creating those regional rivals and how lost the Power Five has become in truly understanding what makes college football great. I mean, is anybody really going to be like gung-ho to see Rutgers and Oregon play a conference match. I mean, there, there's no hatred. There's no heat in this in this conference anymore. I mean, what is happening here? Why can't they understand this? I don't know. It's, <clears throat> I feel like we're, we're seeing the bubble burst to some degree. Like it's, this is almost like a reset where I think we're going to like maybe see another shakeup down the line again when like you said people realize they don't really like these conferences that much and i think a lot of teams are probably going to realize they don't like being in these conferences very much one thing you know i've talked to carl benson about who our, our friend carl benson who was yeah. the sunbelt commissioner before that he was the WAC commissioner when they went nation or made an attempt to go nationwide essentially and He's come around and said he's admitted it. I mean, he's like thing that was a huge mistake. That was the end of the conference when we got too spread out mm-hmm. geographically. And I know it's a little different for if you're the Big Ten or the Big 12, but like <clears throat> they're all happy right now. But you even see it on Twitter to, to some degree. Kansas and Arizona fans are already arguing about whether the big 12 tournament should be in Kansas city or Las Vegas. Like it's already beginning. Like those things that happen when these schools are not geographically aligned at all. And, you know, central Florida is never going to agree with BYU on everything. Once this all shakes out, like once, once the honeymoon's over, I I don't know that these nationwide conferences They've never worked before. I'm not sure why they're going to work now. Well, let me ask you this, Shane. You're talking about a honeymoon. And, and there might be a honeymoon between the, the commissioners of the, or the commissioner and the, uh, and the, and the, I don't know, the man, or that we call them the athletic directors of the teams. But do the fans really, did, did any fan really want any of this? I mean, if I'm a, a big 12 person, I mean, yeah, I kind of wanted Colorado and maybe Arizona. Because they, they kind of there is sort of some regional heat there, but did we really want to get these other brands out there? Is that what we wanted? These mega conferences? I mean, I had argued that the Sun Belt needs to get really big, but only as a matter of survival. These guys didn't even have to do that. Do the fans want this shade? I don't think so. I mean, 
I think there's going to be some good rivalries in these like conferences to some degree. Like you look at the new big 12 map and you just start looking at the West side of it and you're like, Oh, Arizona, Arizona state, Colorado, BYU, Utah, and then into Kansas, Kansas state, Oklahoma state. That all kind of makes sense. But then you look at the wider map and you're like, Oh, there's UCF out here. Like what the hell are they doing? Like, it's just kind of crazy. So are we all in agreement, though, that we think that this round of realignment, shuffling, whatever you want to call it, I don't see where the Sun Belt really is um, in the mix of any of this. I don't see really anybody being added because I, I think the American still has their teams intact. And I think the Sun Belt is kind of seeing, is it really relevant if Southern Miss for instance, were to be contacted by the Pac-12. Is that really a good fit, or is it the Sun Belt, where you kind of have that rivalry and the ease of travel, your fans are excited about being able to face the Cajuns, face ULM, face Troy, and everything else? Or or, or am I just kind of eyes in the sky and, and thinking that everybody's holding hands, singing Kumbaya? And he, I, I'm not sure if this answers your question at all, Tibbs, but I, I think it does. Uh, here's the only thing I think the Sun Belt gets any where it begins to affect the Sun Belt is that it's the one Power Five conference nobody's really thinking about, except when Florida State starts grousing on in public, and that's the ACC. Now, what happens if the ACC sees what's happening with the Big Twelve, with the with the Big Ten? And say, okay, we need to get big too if we're going to survive, or we're just going to become pieces from them. So what do they do? They might start grabbing some guys like I don't know Appalachian State, for instance, or perhaps Memphis or whatever. And then isn't that when the Sun Belt has to make their own decisions? Do they have to start poaching some guys too from CSA and 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 uh, the American? Is that the only scenario where the Sun Belt is affected by this? Well, but. Let's look at it. The only teams that we've really heard possibly wanting out of the ACC is Miami and Florida State. That's it. That's the only two teams that, that are really actively wanting out. And they want out because they want in the SEC. But- I've heard Clemson. I, I hear Clemson is sort of behind the scenes trying to get in the SEC too. But that again, that might just be more rumor than actual fact. But my point being is if we didn't want FAU, FIU in the league, why would we want Miami and Florida State? <laughs> they don't fit the the footprint. Well, maybe yeah. Florida State does, but definitely not the U. And then beyond that, you know, I love some good old fun belt. I mean, hell, we started the podcast about it. We go to New Orleans. We travel around the, the nation for the games. But is that really in the best interest of Florida State or Miami to join the Sun Belt? Oh no! But no. I'm not saying those guys join the Sun Belt. I'm saying that the ACC like they, ends up getting bigger, and then we end up grabbing some guys just because they're floating out in the ether and they have no place to go, like a Memphis, like a like a uh, like a Eastern Carolina, like a somebody like that that m- might not fit profiles for anybody else but the Sun Belt. I think the ACC has to get. Pretty much Pac-12 here (laughs) before it really starts to impact the Sun Belt too much. I mean, because they're not going – Virginia is not 
inviting JMU or ODU into the club yeah. anytime soon. And UNC is not inviting App State into the club unless it's a desperation. I measure. do. I, yeah, that's if a good those point. schools are those gone, things. then maybe things change. But, um, but I mean, I think that they got to – I think the ACC has got to really implode before they start looking for Sunbelt teams, which is why, you know – which is why I think everybody in the Sunbelt is pretty confident that they can sit back and watch this play out, see if the Pac-12, Pac-4, well, what are we going to call it for now? <laughs> I call I it the Pac-0. They're, they're still officially <laughs> the Pac-12. But, um, but if, the, if the Pac grabs any – because of the buyouts for the Mountain West, I would not be surprised at all if the Pac – grabs two to four AAC teams quickly just so they continue to exist. Wow. And then they can wait for the, for things to shake out with the mountain West a little bit. Um, Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That would not surprise me at all. If they go for like a Memphis SMU Tulane rice type of deal or something. And then, then that's where I think it might start to affect the Sun Belt is okay. Who wants to stay in the American if they lose those teams? Does in East Carolina, does a UAB or any of these teams that are already in the Sun Belt footprint, what do they do if they start losing more teams? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, f- I feel like we've, we've come full circle and it's now the late 90s. If you remember, that's when we had. <laughs> Everyone was a 1A independent. I swear it was what, Middle <laughs> Tennessee, Arkansas State, yeah, ULM, Lafayette, uh, North Texas, or no, North Texas was in the, the Big South or the Big West or whatever they were for a while. Yeah. And then, of course, Notre Dame. But, I mean, it, it, is that the new thing that really the conferences don't really matter and that everyone just kind of pulls a Notre Dame and, and goes 1A independent? <laughs> I don't I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, there's talk about Stanford, like, would they be better off going independent or will they oh. want to go independent? But the only people that – the only teams that going independent really worked for was Notre Dame and BYU where they could get their own TV deals. Is Stanford going to get, like – are they going to get ESPN to play them for their games? I, I don't think Stanford alone can do that. Like, even though, I mean, it's a pretty good brand, but, like, I don't think <clears throat> I don't see anybody being like, okay, well, we got to pay, you know, twenty million dollars a year to get Stanford football games. Like, it's just not the same as those teams that are kind of representing an entire religion across the country. I mean, nobody else wants to be independent anymore. UConn doesn't want to be independent. UMass doesn't want to be independent. Liberty got out as soon as they had an opportunity. I'm not sure if Notre Dame wants to. I mean, Notre Dame says they do, but aren't they pretty much ACC anyway? Shouldn't they just go ahead and, and join yeah. the ACC and, and make it official? I think no, so. I mean, there's, there, there, there's openings now in the Pac-4. <laughs> All right, here's a good Pac-4 question. Who gets Bill Walton now? <laughs> yeah. Never thought I'd say poor Bill Walton. <laughs> I like Bill Walton. I don't necessarily like a whole game of Bill Walton. I like him in small doses, but when it's the whole game, I'm like, you, you're tearing me apart. 
but maybe 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 he some other conference needs to pick him up. Maybe the yeah. Sun Belt has some room for Bill Bolton. I don't know. Maybe. Well, <laughs> I was going to get a conference of champions. <laughs> you know, since all of this is about TV, uh-huh. and the big question is like, what if the pack? four goes away or whatever or doesn't get tv deal what's going to be on late at night (laughs) that's right and bill walton doing a sunbelt game late at night yeah might i i don't necessarily like bill walton um as a color guy some people do but if you want to attract a little attention to the conference the jmu had a thing this was many years ago. This is when Lefty Drizel, Hall of Famer Lefty Drizel, was coaching at JMU. Uh-huh. He got, and this is when schools could kind of like negotiate their own TV stuff. He got ESPN to broadcast JMU games if they played them at midnight. <laughs> and so he would play like a midnight game once a year if he could. And what he did then yeah. was basically encourage everybody to get absolutely loaded all day yeah all right before midnight and the atmospheres were crazy richmond stopped playing them at midnight (laughs) because like there's just too many drunk people i'm if espn wants some late night content Uh i'm thinking every sunbelt team in a variety of sports could volunteer to play one midnight game a year that would make it so, a huge thing. That would be so Mac. <laughs> no, but like midnight, it's like party time. And you do it once a year, you make it like a huge thing, huge event. All right. Totally embrace see, it. Nobody has to do it more than once a year. I can see the, the sophisticates of JMU doing that. Here would be the response at Arkansas State. Man, I gotta go, I gotta get up in the morning, man. I got church on Sunday. There ain't no way I'm staying up till midnight to watch no game. That is exactly what Arkansas State fans would say to that. I don't know if ULM fans would be on board. I know Louisiana's, they're used to staying up late and doing shit. So maybe, maybe those guys would be on board. There's hunting to be had on Sunday morning. I forgot. Yeah. You're talking about hunting season, Shane. Are you nuts? Okay. Oh, that right there. I mean, that kills attendance, let alone people trying to tune in. Well, so this was a basketball game that Jamie did it, but they were absolutely packed with drunk kids. (laughs) What kind of school is James Madison, Tibbs? I think I just told you what kind of school is. What did we just hitch our wagon to? Oh my God. It sounds like like vice going on there and, and and Harrisonburg. I think we need to send in Crockett and Tubbs to do an undercover investigation. I think I'm I'm glad we're finally getting some uh, stank and character into the league. <laughs> we need some stank and character. Yeah. Speaking of Mac, I <laughs> wait. Also- <laughs> how do you say Mac and stank and character? <laughs> no, I well, I at one point I had mentioned Mac because I said uh, midnight games would be so Mac. I mean, like they do those Tuesday night games, that's kind of their brand, you know, or whatever. They, they'll do wonky things, but I saw yet another thing on the Twitters, which I know is X now. I got, I got to get, I got to change my, my vernacular on that. Yeah, we'll get uh, banned. <laughs> yeah, I probably would. 
that they've pretty much stayed the same. Like they have the same membership since something like 1996. And I was thinking about that. Yeah. Have they not changed at all in like three decades? They added um, Buffalo more recently than that, I think, but I don't think they've like made any big changes. Like they just kind of crazy. They just kind of put their heads down and keep powering through. You know, <laughs> nobody touches them. They don't touch anybody else. Why can't we be more like the Mac? Like the whole world. Why can't the world okay. be more like the Mac? Just mind their own business, staying in their lanes, providing the entertainment and value where they can provide entertainment and value. Well, why can't we learn more lessons from the Mac? Because Keith Gill won't wear a uh, fan of the opera mask and cape or uh, play a guitar, much like their commission does. <laughs> oh, yeah. I you love that, Tibbs. I remember when he did that. You thought that was outstanding. I do. I think it's amazing. But that that's <laughs> that. I think that's the Mac character that we all need, that we all want. Yeah, and maybe that's what's missing from big-time college football. It's so wrapped up right now in the money and the broadcast deals. And you guys like you and I, just fans, you know, just 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 guys who pay our money for the merchandise and for the tickets and for what have you. We just we just have to do whatever they want to do, right? And uh I, I really think it's too bad. I don't I, I honestly don't give a shit what power five conferences do. Because they've been trashing G5 conferences for as long as I can remember, and they've never been any help to us. But I cannot believe that the Pac-12, in all their years of building up that brand, of creating that identity, of, of, of being known as that, that sort of West Coast influence in football, basketball, baseball, they just abandoned it. Like, it seemed like they did it overnight, guys. It's just kind of astounding to me. Like none of that build, none of that, what they built for so long, it just meant nothing. Zero. Hey, Should I be this emotional about that? When the Pac-4 re refused to participate in the Independence Bowl, that was their downfall. <laughs> I guess that could be it. I got to the point, though, where like nothing surprised me about a decade ago. Okay. Being Okay, so you guys are alums of the schools you cover sure I, I am not i grew up rooting for kansas jayhawks and i went uh -huh. to school there and um so i got a little bit of the like both sides of the g5 p5 table here and once it was completely unfathomable to me that we got to a point where kansas missouri and nebraska were playing in three separate conferences i thought those schools were completely inseparable like mm -hmm. long time rivals and um <clears throat> some more friendly than others but like i just i would have never expected those three schools would not be in the same conference let alone three separate conferences once that happened i got to the point where nothing really surprised me as far as like conference realignment like and then i thought like well anything's possible yeah and, maybe maybe that's the moment maybe that's the moment even, that we we decided that there was no unifying link that kept us together. That was, the only link was money. Yeah, but I mean, even so, the fact that it just like basically, yeah, like this stuff used to happen over a course of years, right? Like even I'm talking about Kansas, Nebraska, and Missouri. 
first it was like, you know, Nebraska leaves and then like a couple years later, Missouri leaves and then the big 12 does a bunch of other stuff and you get to where they are now. Like this all kind of has happened. Like, I mean, I know there was stuff happening in the background, but those schools all made up their minds basically in a 24 hour period to leave. And that's like, crazy for half of a conference to do that like that fast but that tells me that there was more going on behind the scenes than what they've let on and that there was that much resentment animosity and that they were all also fearing what was going to happen long term with the media rights yeah and what what was it the last where last they landed on media rights was well we're going to be on apple tv did i oversimplify that no, that was their best offer. It was a, <laughs> my favorite quote was from, I think it was the Arizona State president. He, Arizona State's kind of going to the Big 12 very begrudgingly. Yeah. They did not want this to happen. And they kind of made it clear that they're not that happy they're going to the Big 12, which is going back to my theory that this is not going to work out long term. Um, but, you know, I, he had some quote that the Apple deal was a 23rd century Star Trek type of technological <laughs> situation. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I don't even know what that means. Wow. But we're still in the 21st century, I think. So uh, not sure how that's going to work. Arizona out. State, they're at least two yeah. centuries ahead of us. <laughs> yeah. You know what, though? I, I The more I thought about that, though, you know, I was kind of ragging on Apple. It's if everything really is going to streaming, it kind of is. I mean, I mean, everybody wants that big uh, Fox deal or that ESPN deal, but who's to say that Apple couldn't put together a you know enough viewers to make that worthwhile? I don't know. It could have. I mean, <laughs> to give credit for CSA for trying to get make Twitter a football platform. I mean, that was kind of yeah. that was the head and of their- Facebook. Facebook is. You had to go to Facebook to watch us see USA. But at the time, it was like, you know what? All right, there's some innovative thinking there. It's not that innovative to say, let's put it on Apple TV. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they just, I think everybody still needs some combination of even the Sunbelt, where we all love ESPN Plus. Sure. We still want to have that, you know, we're still really excited the championship game might be on ABC right yeah yeah and i think i think giving up that linear tv option entirely is still probably pretty tough and from what i've read they were gonna have to meet some pretty pretty tough subscription numbers yeah to really start getting paid for that apple tv thing any of you guys on apple tv no i am yeah i am yeah yeah i probably watch some pack after dark. I did watch Hijack though. Hijack was a good series. You know Giving what? I, a plug. I tried to watch Hijack. I got through, I think, most of it. But goddamn, when's something <laughs> going to happen in that show, Tibbs? Did it finally something finally happen? In Hijack? Yeah. It's I mean, a great I, show. It's a mini series. I, I swear I went through three episodes of them trying to figure out if the bullets were real or not. It's <laughs> like, when is this going to come to a head? That's important. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. All right. So what have we decided? What's the lesson that we've learned here? That one, that the Sun Belt is in good shape, right? 
that Thank you, Commissioner Gill. Do you think Commissioner Gill is doing the right thing by just keeping his cards on the table and saying we're standing pat? I do. I mean, I think we've, we, we've kicked it around enough, though, that, you know, I mean, we know what schools we would be willing to say, oh, yeah, we definitely want to add them. But for the most part, stay pat, stay the course, and yeah. stay 14 strong. Yeah, I mean, I think the best thing about it is you can kind of let things play out and see where those schools you might be interested are are at in a year or two. And you're also in a pretty good situation where I think one of the biggest things about all of this for the Sun Belt that we haven't talked quite as much about is what the playoff situation is going to be in a couple of years. Yeah. And yeah. for at least two years, that's the contract for the initial 12 team playoff for at least two years. If a conference like the pack four or the mountain West, if one of those disappears because they merge or something that opens up another spot yeah. in the playoff. I mean, I'm sure the sec and the big 10 will probably try to get that changed by the time oh, yeah. they, you know, renegotiate the next round when the TV deals up. But for yeah. two years, you've got that really good opportunity if you're in Sun Belt to get somebody in and let them make some noise. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, and wasn't that the wasn't that the thing we screamed about the longest uh, was for it to expand the playoffs so it included all the conference champions. And that, yeah. but you, <laughs> now we're not going to have that. You knew that wasn't meant for us. That that was for them. That was for the P five or the P four or whatever we're calling them now. Uh-huh. Yeah. My yeah, guess yeah. is eventually the SEC and the Big Ten will probably fight for – so right now it's going to be like the top six um, get an automatic berth. Yeah. If there's nine conferences instead of ten, maybe they'll do like the top five get an automatic berth. And <clears throat> the top two rated conference, maybe they get a second automatic berth would be my guess of how this is going to go because – the SEC and the Big Ten are going to have all the power eventually, mm-hmm. and they're not going. They're going to want to guarantee that they're going to get two teams in the va- two to three teams in the vast majority of the time. So, I think the Sun Belt playoff wise is probably sitting pretty pretty good as that moves forward to a twelve team. Have we kicked that horse enough? Yeah, my toes hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and now for plugs promos parting shots jeremy please give it to us you know like a couple years ago more precisely april 27th of 2022 i sat down after that most <laughs> recent spate of of realignment and 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 uh chaos that happened with the college football i wrote a brief history of this of the destruction of college football on howraiser.com. You can find it. A brief history of destruction of college football. And I kind of outlined a sort of sloppy timeline of how it got to be where we are today. Guys, what do you think is to you? What is that first domino that fell that started this realignment mess? What was that first domino? The Texas Oklahoma finally ripping the band-aid off that they're going to the SEC. Okay. All right. Yeah. I don't know. I think you could go back even further to yeah. maybe the ACC 
taking teams from the Big East. Oh, yeah. Taking my Virginia Tech in those teams. I went back all the way to 1979. To me, that's when the first domino hit. And that's when 30,000 viewers tuned in for the launch of ESPN. ESPN realized that anything that they put on, people are going to watch. And then they realized any football they put on, people were going to watch. Whether it was Hawaii and, I don't know, Boise State late at night or whatever, or if it was a Pac-12 game or an SEC game, that's they were the ones that realized this 24-hour sports coverage. That's when they realized the appetite that Americans have for sport is almost infinite. And people, and they will pay through the nose to get those broadcast rights. And that's when college football went from being something that was, you know, where regional appeal and, and, and regional rooting interest became a business. And to me, it's that launch of ESPN that really started it. And I had a, a couple other sort of tipping points some of them I thought were kind of interesting. 1991, for instance, when NBC uh, secured that exclusive television rights to Notre Dame. Uh, 1996, when Steve Spurrier became the first million-dollar football coach. I mean, before Steve Spurrier, I mean, coaches were making reasonable money, right? Now, how much is Saban making now? He's almost making $20 million a year. And where's that money coming from? It's not coming from broadcast rights or college tuition it's coming from people like me and you buying merchandise buying cable packages buying you know the things that make college football programs go and they have to raise the prices and we just keep paying the money we just, we're part of the problem so anyway check out howraiser.com a brief history of the destruction of college football you'll see plenty of flashpoints that have led us to the mess we are in today Payne, what do you have for us? I'm going to build off that a little bit. Ooh. Since we're doing some realignment, I'll have realignment parting shot. I think one thing, and I've, I've pitched a story idea somewhere, so I won't get too far into it, but like, <laughs> there are a lot of things, like, like Jeremy has said, there were a lot of moments, like going back yeah, to the dawn of ESPN that led us to this. I think one thing people don't think about as much, too, is when the focus shifted so totally to football hmm. i've been reading this in the raleigh newspaper here the last week or two where they've been writing about various things and florida state possibly leaving the acc and everything <laughs> and they point out that in the 90s acc basketball was as big a television draw as sec football they were both huge and you can kind of trace that back to first, maybe we should blame the NBA a little bit for all of this. All right. Go first, first, the NBA started drafting high school kids willy-nilly. Ooh. So they weren't going to college. And so yes. LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, never played for North Carolina and Ohio State and all these places where they would have been huge TV draws. Yes. And then they went to the one and done rule. So you got them for a little bit, but there was such rapid turnover. I think people lost a lot of interest in college basketball around the time that this all shifted 
to let's get as much football TV money as we possibly can. And then people started. And that was when the ACC started grabbing Miami and Virginia Tech and Syracuse and everybody. I think, you know, the NBA obviously has got their own agendas and it's yeah. not to like save college sports necessarily, but I think that's maybe an underappreciated factor among many factors of how we got to where we are right now. What a twist that would be, Shane. A story about how the destruction of college football, that how what we are seeing today is the result of the NBA. That is outstanding. <laughs> okay. You can't beat this, Tibbs. You can try. I, I, I know. I, I, do. <laughs> I feel like Billy Madison when he's in the uh, the contest there against yeah. the guy, Eric, for the company, and he plays like the cello or whatever, and Billy grabs a recorder and blows into it and goes, he's good. That's how I feel. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.